Welcome back, everyone, to Sex and Couples Therapy with a Happy Ending Therapist. I am Donna Harris-Richards, LICSW, Licensed Independent Clinical Social Worker and Certified Sex Therapist, here with my lovely producer, Vicki. How you doing, Vic? Doing great. Good. And this is our special episode with the boys in the back. We have, uh, we've got Paul and Justin. Say hey, Paul. Hello. How are you? I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm doing great. Good. Justin, how you doing? Oh man, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm so honored to be in the front with y'all finally. <laughs> and we are thrilled to have you both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so today we're going to kind of... I, I sort of asked everybody if they would be so kind as to come up with ideas or questions that people want to know, whether it's, you know, them or their friends or relatives or, you know, what are people curious about regarding sex and relationships? So thank you so much for being so cooperative. Of course. Seriously. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to have you. So, yeah. Um, and I know, yeah, the, Vicki, you had mentioned that you wanted me to talk a little bit about my path into this work. Absolutely. We actually have um, a couple weeks ago, we did a, a survey monkey and we sent out a survey to people to see what they wanted to hear us talk about. And one of the big things that we heard, in addition to some of the questions we'll get into in a little bit, is about your path and how you got here and your favorite parts of what you do and the challenges and all that. So, Take it away, Donna. <laughs> well, I love I love talking about sex. Always have. <laughs> In fact, you know, I, I just realized that I, I had this I- impulse to want to be a sex education teacher for high school students early in my life. Um, that was kind of a thought um, that happened for me because I was thinking, you know, why are people so afraid to talk about sex? And I think I grew up in a maybe a little bit more of a sex positive uh, household with my parents and my brothers. Um, of course, I grew up around boys too, so that probably helped. They were <laughs> they were like right out there about stuff. Um, and uh, I should also let folks know that I really have been sort of shaped and raised and trained as a musician first. Um, I did get my bachelor of fine arts in acting, so I was a theater girl long ago. Um, but, you know, and the music I still do. I'm a, a singer and a percussionist. But um, I got into the social work work at around 40 when I was feeling like I just needed more intellectual stimulation. Um, and the music work was fine, uh, but I just, I was craving that. So I went back to grad school again at around 40, um, got my, my master's of social work. And I was a, a bit adrift for a long time. I did agency work and cut my teeth on that, which was really wonderful. Um, but I felt a bit uh, that I didn't know where I wanted to specialize. I knew I liked working with women and people who had had divine experience in life. And, um, but I really, I would say for, gosh, I don't know, 10 years or so, I just, I, I felt like I can't figure out where I want to specialize. Uh, so then... Uh, I would say about 10 years ago, it occurred to me at the time, you know, us therapists, we have our own personal stuff, right? So at the time that I was having some challenges and learning and developing in my own relationship, um, I realized that kind of sex and couples therapy was a thing. And my partner and I did the work and I fell in love with it and it worked. And, you know, 21 years later, I'm proof that relationships get better and better. 
and they can endure for the long term and you can make it exciting with one person in your life. And so I just, I kind of fell in love with the work and that's how I landed on specializing in it. And, and there was a moment when I had a client who was probably in a male in, in his seventies who asked me how he could begin to have erections again with his girlfriend. And I was stumped. I had no idea what to tell this person. (laughs) So I thought, all right, I really got to learn some stuff about, you know, the, Sexuality, and as I have said time and time again, um, you know, optimal health means optimal sexual health. And um, to be human is to be sexual, to be sexual is to be human. And so I felt like I needed that one last journey uh, or uh, sort of in depth education and certification in the sexual realm. And that has helped tremendously to help clients with every aspect of being. That's amazing. If you could go back and, and tell uh, that older gentleman how to how to get an erection, what would you say? Well, I would ask some questions first. I would do my biopsychosocial sexual assessment um, and figure out what was what was going on. First of all, like, did he have any health problems? You know, did he have uh, you know, plaque in the arteries, is there any kind of cholesterol issue, any high blood pressure, et cetera. So, you know, if that's the case, then I, I refer people out to a doctor to kind of go at that stuff, looking at, you know, how does how, what's going on with testosterone, you know, could there be some pituitary issues going on, stuff in the brain, all of that. So, you know, plaque in the arteries that can really inhibit blood flow and erectile function. So we want to look at that uh, first. So I never want to assume that there's anxiety going on, which is what I treat. Uh, if there's a medical issue going on, that would be remiss and unethical. So I would ask him to have a real, you know, good, full checkup by his doctor. And then if his doctor sends him back to me um, because, you know, they're just throwing Viagra at it, then I'm going to be talking with him about, you know, uh, figuring out how to soothe his anxiety, sensate focus, sensate. So S-E-N-S-A-T-E, short for sensation, is um, something that sex therapists prescribe for their clients. And that's a way of slowing down with sex, um, with your either yourself with solo sex or with partnered sex. Um, and it's focusing on sensation and pleasure and the journey rather than focusing on the end result because that's where we get performance anxiety. And for men in particular, performance anxiety um, shows up as erectile dysfunction, so difficulty getting an erection or premature ejaculation, you know, essentially orgasming too quickly. So we want to slow things down for both of these uh, issues to get better, if you will. Certainly. Slowing it down is a great mantra for everything in your life too. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. What makes so, you say that, Justin? Oh, man, I've been listening to the Grateful Dead a lot. And I think, you know, that's part of their messaging big time, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, you know, standing out to me because of COVID. You know, we've just slowed everything down. And I'm just, you know, discovering new richness in all of my relationships with my friends, with my partner, the whole nine, except for my parents. I just can't, can't seem to get to click with them, but you know, what are we going to do? Well, you know what they say about that, Justin? Tell me. After three days, the fish starts to stink. There we go. Oh, and I'm sure your parents are the most wonderful people, but even with my parents, any parents, you know, two, 
too much time together can be like really difficult. So you got to take that space. Yeah, certainly. Be careful about how much time. And actually, you know what? It, It would be really fun to have a conversation about that at some point where when we're in a partnered relationship, especially if we're married and you have a spouse now or you're in a committed domestic partnership, you really have to think about making that partner your your primary focus in terms of relationships and then family of origin comes second. Mm. Mm. Because we can't make everybody the priority. Right? Amen. Well, especially when you're in that relationship too, it should be whether no matter what the problem is, you and your partner as a unit against whatever the problem is, not the partner's brother or mother or sister or, you know, grandfather or anything that's in there, like adding their own opinions into the mix of your life. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We could actually do a whole thing about triangulation and how, you know, the the Bowenian Murray Bowen has come up with this whole uh, sort of understanding of how those relationships work that we really have to align with our partner and then you know there's things like follow the bloodline and you know with a partner if you're having family relationships and i can talk further about that just ways to sort of strategize to to make things better when it comes to issues around family Hmm. are there ever and has there ever been a time when you know you're in a session with a client and they bring up a problem to you that you've had to stop for a minute and say, you know what, I don't know enough about this. I have to do some research and and get back to you. Or is it like, how does that work in a situation like that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I will say, I I feel like I know my subject. I'm always learning. So Mm -hmm. if that does happen, I will say that I find it doesn't happen that much. That's awesome. Um, no, that was a a good problem. That's good. That's a great thing. (laughs) Yeah, but I I have no problem saying, look, I don't know the answer and I'm going to look into that and I'm going to get back to you. And I and I am always um, in kind of supervision or peer consultation uh, at least twice a month. Oh, that's awesome. uh, With with folks who know more than me. So I am always learning. That's good. Yeah. So this isn't like, you know, oh, you go to school and you know everything. It's a it's a lifelong learning experience. I feel like yeah, that should be tr- how everyone treats everything. You know, you never know everything. You should, you're always learning and yeah. it's good yeah. to be open yeah. to, to the idea that you don't know everything, even if you know a lot in your field. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Beginner's mind, I think is what they call it. Maybe. Can you're you always say, looking at beginner's more. mind. Yep, Sorry. Yep. Big, it's like uh, the, you know, the idea that everything is always a practice. Mm. And that, uh, mm. yeah, you're just, you're always, it's you're always learning to, to put yourself in a, a position where you're looking for growth constantly. Yeah. And, and that's interesting you say that because providers, you know, when they call themselves practicing, like I have a private practice or a, a doctor has a medical practice, that's right. We're practicing and learning. And, you know, interestingly, I learn a lot from my clients. You know, every time I have a new couple or a new client, I'm, it's fascinating because I'm always seeing things play out. In a in a new in a little bit of a new and different way, and that's so really cool to watch. And I I'm so appreciative and grateful for that. Do you find that that helps with uh, the more clients you have, the more you can you can't use them them for examples like you can't use their names obviously because of right. the confidentiality. But right. do you find that having had so many clients, you can reflect back onto the uh, previous clients to help? current clients 
Of course. Yes, of course. Because it's all part of the learning. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's interesting. It's like when I first got into social work, um, the way that you learn. Yeah. I mean, you read, but I think I mentioned this in the podcast, you know, Einstein says experience is true learning. Mm. Uh, you know, information is great, but until you see it play out, what are, you know, until you see a, 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 a bipolar manic episode play out in front of your eyes, you don't really necessarily know what that looks like. Um, or, you know, schizophrenia, for example, you know, anything where, you know, there, there's affect involved, um, and, uh, you know, something that's, that's hopefully you know, treatable, um, it's very different to see it versus reading about it or, or the learning in that way. So, yeah, seeing things play out in a variety of ways, you know, we're all the same and, the, and there are patterns, obviously, to human behavior, but every person is unique. So it's really fascinating, uh, yeah, to see it play out differently with different couples, whether it's a a same-sex couple or, you know, opposite-sex couple or a transgendered couple or, or whatever the case may be. So I know that there were some um, relationship scenarios. Yeah, Should we talk about those? Or? Courtesies of Justin. Or courtesy of Justin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love going on, on Reddit. And I, I um, yeah, I want to highlight that Reddit is a... Huge source of misinformation, but <laughs> thank you, Justin. Thank uh, you're welcome. But uh, one thing that I love about it is that it's uh, very community focused. So each subreddit is a community in its own, you know. Uh, so there is a, a relationship advice subreddit that uh, I look at often. And I often look at with my partner, uh, Becca, and we, you know, we'll read through uh, whatever the, the question is and we'll kind of discuss together what we think uh, the solution is or, you know, however you put it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it'd be great for us to, to read a couple of those today and, and just discuss. Mm, sure. Throw it at me. Me? Oh, I'm sorry. Vic, did you put it in a chat somewhere? I did. It's in the chat with the three of us. Oh, that's okay. Oh. Vicky, do you want to throw it out there? Yeah, and, I can throw um, it out. I'll start with the first one. Um, okay. Yeah, you're a better reader than me. <laughs> so one of the first ones I pulled, do you guys have any preference on which one I should pull first? I, I like that last one that we that we kind of touched on. That last oh, one was sure. good. Uh, okay. Because, you know, as Paul mentioned, it's really, really relevant to our world today. So maybe we can start with that one. Sure. Okay. So the scenario in question is how do I, a female of 24 years old, tell my boyfriend, a male of 29 years old, that his constant texting with his attractive coworker, who is a female of 27 years old, is making me uncomfortable? What a great question. Yes. Mm -hmm. So as you have said, well, as we have said, um, direct communication is best. Yeah. And oh boy, does that bring up anxiety, right? So much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, I like what you said before. Do you remember what you said about this question? I thought it was really good. And it, it gave me some ideas on how to answer it. I had mentioned that um, this seems like a really um, relevant question right now, because I feel like a lot of people um, are jealous these days, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. they, they see people being friendly with um, or they see their, uh, their partner being friendly with someone and uh, kind of assume that it's, it's 
something that's leading to a, a romantic relationship when it's it could very much be, but it's not always. And most of the time it is. And it's just people being friendly. Mm, yes. So this points to the idea that as long as we are above ground, we are alive. And as long as we are alive, we are sexual. And as long as we are sexual, we will see other people as attractive. But it's really about choice. It's about whether we cross the boundary or not. So what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that, you know, if, if the boyfriend is texting with his attractive coworker, he may not be aware that that's bothering his girlfriend, right? Um, but it's normal. So much is normal. This is what's so important, I think, for us to all know. Uh, and this helped me a lot, just even in my own life, understanding how much is normal. So it's normal. And there's this idea to use to use your point, Justin, about jealousy. So oftentimes I'll point out to my clients that there are two kinds of jealousy. You know, there's healthy jealousy and kind of unhealthy or, or maybe we want to call it effective or ineffective. <laughs> I like healthy or unhealthy. Um, I think the healthy jealousy is one where it helps the boyfriend in this example um, understand that his partner doesn't want to lose him. You know, she's jealous because she loves him and she doesn't want him going off with some other person, right? Um, unhealthy jealousy is perhaps when it, uh, it it can begin to build. So here's the thought. All right, so here's where cognitive behavioral therapy comes in. We have a thought and the thought affects how we feel and the feeling affects how we behave. That's the cycle. Of course, before the thought is environment, you know, you might be living in an impoverished uh, environment or, you know, you, you might be middle class or well to do. But anyway, yeah, so I digress. But, you know, we're, we're individually a system within a coupling system, within a family, within a city, within a commonwealth, within a country, within a world, right, within a universe. So so systems is affects the way that I work with couples greatly. And. <laughs> Uh, getting back to the jealousy idea, um, her impulsive feeling is healthy because she loves her partner. Um, what's unhealthy is if she doesn't say anything and then the thoughts begin to pile up. So she has the worry, but then we tend to sometimes worry about our worry or judge ourselves for worrying. Um, and before you know it, she's got a whole drama playing out in her head before even saying anything to her boyfriend. So what I recommend she do is let her boyfriend know that this is making her uncomfortable um, in the most loving way possible, because he's likely to say, I had no idea that you were feeling like this. Um, and she also needs to be aware that flirting is okay. You know, again, we're alive, we're sexual beings. So... In our aliveness, you know, you, again, you're going to find people attractive, but it, it's his behavior. It's the choice he's making that she needs to make him aware of is bothersome to her. Now, he may say, uh, look, you have nothing to worry about. I'm not attracted to this person. It's nothing sexual. He may say that and mean it. He may say that and not mean it. But in the end, it's about crossing boundaries. So if he now knows that about her and he doesn't want to hurt her, he'll just be really mindful of, of his behavior. Absolutely. It's like uh, 
So when I first started uh, seeing a therapist, uh, he would highlight the fact that the reason reason I get so anxious all the time is because I'm telling myself stories. And I think it's so important to catch yourself before you go down that rabbit hole, because even once you go down that rabbit hole, you're probably less likely to talk about things with your partner openly just because of the this image that you've created in your mind. Absolutely. Yeah, it's about the the narrative. Yeah, the story we tell ourselves big time. Yeah, for sure. Your imagination scares you. They actually call it double trouble thinking. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying your imagination can scare you pretty often. Certainly. Oh, God, yeah. So what did you say, Don? Double trouble? Thinking. Thinking. Yeah. What's that? Well, so you have the core uh, thought, right? Or or actually we should call it the hot thought or the trigger thought. Uh, which might be what, for example? Um, oh, I don't know. What's a what's a a core thought anyone's had? I'm trying to think for myself. Uh, well, maybe from this example, the core thought would be that your boyfriend is being unfaithful by texting mm-hmm. this person. Yeah, yeah, good one. Right. So, so now, you, if you're thinking that, uh, the double trouble part is that now you begin to judge yourself for the thought. Mm. Right. Oh my, uh, you know what, I don't know what, what, you know, it might be, um, oh, I'm a horrible person for thinking this or wow, if this is happening, he's really a scoundrel. And mm-hmm. suddenly you've got this whole drama playing out in, in your mind as, as you point to Justin. So it's really important to, to get to basics, get some basic information, let your partner know, this is very relevant to sex and couples therapy, let your partner know what you are feeling and this is where you let you can let your feelings be your guide so no one's feelings are more important than anyone else's so each partner's feelings are important but if you're feeling uh anxious jealous nervous afraid let the feeling help you identify what you need and want right so in this example maybe our 24 year old young woman Uh, Maybe this helps her to understand how important her boyfriend is to her, how important monogamy is, Um, because we can talk about consensual non-monogamy. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, he wants to be polyamorous or have other sexual experiences. And if that's what's on his mind, then she can clearly state to him, that is not for me. I'm not okay with that. Or maybe she might say, gee, I'd never thought about that. Okay, let's consider that. Um, but it opens up a whole new conversation and dialogue. If we just get to the core of uh, what it is we need and want, having our feelings be the guide for that, if that makes sense. Totally. And that, that's the double trouble thinking, which is we have the thought, but then we start to judge ourselves or we start thinking about that thought and on and on and on. Especially now mm-hmm. with COVID too, a situation like this where... I know, at least for us, you know, I'm, I'm used to being in the office with Paul and Justin every day, you know, yeah. so especially now, like I might reach out to them personally via text or, you know, hop on a video chat with them or whatever, something like that. And if I were, you know, this, if I were this 24 year old female and my boyfriend was doing that and I didn't feel comfortable with it, the thought process in my brain might be, well, does he like his coworker talking to his coworker more than he likes talking to me? Like all of these things when in actuality, mm. maybe the coworker just misses seeing his friends in the office or, or things like that. Mm. So I feel yeah, like COVID maybe, adds like a yeah. whole other layer of stress to the situation. Mm. If this were happening today. Well, yeah. 
I can see that. And maybe there's, again, more information getting that can be uh, gleaned from this. If they are willing to talk about it, he might end up saying to her, for example, you know, and there's a million scenarios, he might say, well, she, this 27-year-old, um, pays attention to me, talks to me, makes me feel good about myself in a way that I feel like isn't happening between you and I, honey. Mm-hmm. You know, when I ask you to have sex with me and you say no, I feel undesired. I'm making this up. Or if I ask you to, you know, sit and watch my favorite show with me or football or whatever, and you say no, I feel lonely. You know, and I want to help these folks kind of climb down the scaffold, way down, <laughs> figure out what, what is the core feeling? Is it the loneliness? Is it the sadness? Do they, do they feel abandoned by their partner, which is leading them to seeking attention elsewhere? And that's part so, of asking the question, right? That's part of if you don't bring it up to your partner, you'll never know what what it is. It could be just as simple as I'm talking to this person about an, a similar interest we have yeah. that you and I don't have because you and your partner don't always have to have exact same interests. And that's so why true. you have friends, whether they're the same sex or opposite sex. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, and, and, and at a very basic level, sorry, Justin, one more thing. Uh, there's mm-hmm. this idea that there is, as Schnark, you know, my hero, talks <laughs> about uh, the two-choice dilemma. So let's say they both agree, you know, this is a monogamous, you know, relationship, and we both have made that commitment. I, I, you know, he may not be realizing that that's making her upset, and he has to make a choice. He can make the choice to continue the maybe, maybe, and I don't know. Uh, let's say he admits it's overly flirtatious because he won't let her see those texts. First of all, be open. If there's nothing to hide, there's nothing to hide. But um, then he has to make choice. He, he can choose to keep doing that and it's going to injure the relationship. Or he can choose to do something different, which is to be more inclusive with her, be open with her. It doesn't mean he has to give up his friendship. And it doesn't mean he has to give up flirting either as long as he's not crossing a boundary that is injurious to the relationship they have that they have both agreed upon. And this can be a really interesting conversation about what is crossing the boundary? Is it, you know, putting your hand on someone's knee? Is it, you know, saying, hey, you to your coworker, wow, you look hot today. You know, I mean, your partner's probably not going to like that. So let's let's talk about that. Let's learn about what's OK and what's not OK in the relationship so that we're doing the best thing for the relationship. Mm. So how would you advise uh, uh, somebody uh, approach this conversation without allowing their emotions to get the best of them in the moment? What a brilliant question. Thank you. (laughs) That is really, that's like a whole other 40 minute podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know we got eight minutes to answer it. Sorry. Well, less because I have a client or two. Um, So how would I advise them to do that? Well, um, I have high conflict couples and I have low conflict couples. And I actually find it a little bit easier at times to work with higher conflict couples who talk. Like if both people are really saying a lot, that's fine with me. Because I can sort of pull them back in, in in a way. But if I, but if no one's saying other anything, like you have two people who are really shutting down, it's much harder to pull out of them things. Even though one would think that's less stressful, not really. It's it's kind of more work. So I want people to be talking. Like if they're having feelings about it, that's fine. Let's let's figure out what are you feeling. 
But then remember, your partner has feelings too, right? So this has to be a win-win. Remember the red house, yellow house? You know, she has to get what she wants by identifying what she's feeling, but then I need her to move forward and say what she wants. So here's how I feel and here's what I want. I feel really jealous and like crazy right now, right? Um, and what I want is for you to be showing me those texts. I want you to not be using words like you look hot or whatever, you know, whatever. I don't know. And maybe he's just simply having conversations about things they have in common. Um, and that's cool. She has to know that that's normal. She has to know that he actually should have female friends in non-sexual relationships that helps him understand better about women. And she should have male friends because that helps her understand men. And whether and maybe it's the same sex relationship. So uh, if it's two women, um, you know, each of them needs to have friendships with other people that they're not having sex with. Again, if monogamy is the agreement so that they understand others experiences. So I want them I actually where I want them to get to ultimately is two minute problem solving. I want them to solve this problem in two minutes. Which is not easy. There's a 15 minute rule. Um, no more than 15 minutes a week of uh, kind of hashing and rehashing the same problem again and again. Let's figure it out. And I can help you do that. What what are you feeling? What do you need? What do you want? And is your partner willing? Can you make this agreement? Shake hands on it, kiss on it, whatever. Um, if they can, great. If they can't, we can say, all right, we've gotten this far and we'll pick this up next time. Or if you figure out in the meantime, great. We move forward. Wow, that's great. That was a great, great, great Reddit post. I feel like we got so much out of that. <laughs> and people go like two minutes. Usually uh, heterosexual men go, oh, thank goodness. They feel really relieved. And women are like, what? I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> And, and this actually points to this idea of I want my couples to, I want each partner to become a little bit more like the other. Because usually you've got, a, again, a pursuer um, and you've got a withdrawer or a distancer. So if the pursuer becomes a little bit more, uh, not distancing, but not so pursuing and the withdrawer starts to come forward a bit, then we've got a nice balance going on. It's all about balance. Yeah. Sure is. All right. Well, that was fun. Gosh, we only got to one question. Um, and I've, I've got to kind of wrap up here. Oh, geez. Uh, that means that just means that we're going to have to do this again. Yeah, we sure are. <laughs> That'll be awesome. So thank you. So uh, does that mean you, you're all interested in doing this again? Are oh, we absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Good. Polly on board. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So we have an agreement. Look, we solved that like in 20 seconds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is That's the best awesome. relationship I've ever been in. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Thanks, Justin. Great. Of course. So, thank you. So, Vicki, thank you. Paul, thank you. Justin, thank you. And thanks, everyone, for, for joining here today. Uh, remember that, you know, you can find me on Facebook at the Sex and Couples Therapist, on Instagram at the Happy Ending Therapist. You can call the office 508-990-9909 for telehealth. I'm not doing in person anymore, telehealth, but it's working really well. People are reporting good results. And you can look at my website, www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. And remember, always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. See you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>